Among a sea of br brilliant performances each year, certain of them stand out for their artistry, their honesty, and the masterful choices made in interpreting the role. We honor those individuals tonight. Here are the nominees for performance by an actor in a supporting role. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Another category review episode for you guys today. We are covering the supporting actor category. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a second. But as per tradition, we do have another incredible special guest joining us today to help break down this category, Michael. Yeah, Brian Formo of Fandango.com. He does the awesome scene breakdown series on Fandango All Access, the YouTube channel over there you can find his oscar rank rankings on his website brianformo.com but he, he writes for fandango.com does a terrific job yeah he's been involved in some great pieces over on fandango i'm personally a big fan of the decade recap where he lists the box office results for each year over there and of course his 10 best films piece of yeah, 2019 he, he wrote the shit out of that uh, we both use Fandango too much, Mike. Like, way too much. It's probably like, an understatement. An unhealthy amount. I don't know why. They should just hire us, they but then they lose us. the revenue that we personally <laughs> give them, so it's probably in their best interest to not But do then that. we say things like, we're going insane because your product is really good. <laughs> <laughs> At the intro to these episodes. But no, we're really excited for you guys to hear this interview with Brian. Uh, we just recorded. We had a blast, so. Yeah, so check it out. Brian Formo from Fandango talking about the supporting actor category and some other fun Oscar stuff at large in that. We will see you on the other side. All right, on the line right now, Brian Formo. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm glad that you found me because uh, I was just like innocuously tweeting about Uncut Gems, which has been one of <laughs> <laughs> Which has been one of my favorite things of the last couple months. <laughs> oh, we have a big disagreement on this show about that because Mike, Mike, like, didn't like the yelling at him for an hour and a half, and to yeah. me, I, I felt like Bane. I was, I was born, I was raised in yelling, so it felt like home to me. So I think it was a kindred spirit type thing going on there between you and I. Yeah, <laughs> I think that movie is good. Let me just be honest. <laughs> I really, really like it as, as, a, as a piece of art. But I hated every second of the viewing experience. I don't know. It was just one of those things. It was just, yeah, it was yelling at me. And I want, I hated that character so much. But the, the, the movie's terrific. I mean, it's undeniably good. Yeah. Safety Brothers can, can make a damn movie. Yeah, I'm a big believer that uh, if, 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 you, if a movie affects you in some big emotion or some type of physical response, it's doing something well. Yeah. Well, well we could all agree on that, at least. Yeah. My butt was clenched tighter than it's been in years. I mean, that's what happened for me. Nice to meet you, Brian. This yeah. is my opening conversation with you. We wanted to talk to you about the supporting actor category, and we loved your coverage uh, of the Toronto International Film Festival for Fandango.com with Eric Davis. So you guys, you know, you tabbed a bunch of eventual contenders there, right, for award season. I'm wondering if you can reflect on your headspace back from Toronto at Toronto. So if we told you back at TIFF that blank would get nominated or that blank would get snubbed, you know, what, what would have surprised you about these nominations that inevitably happened? Um, well, I was uh, the biggest headspace shift I think that happened at TIFF, and this doesn't really reflect, actually, and this doesn't really reflect at all in the, the supporting actor category, but is that so I was actually all right, I'm going to name drop. I was I was on my way to interview Roger Deakins. And uh, that's I, that's so I'll always remember 
where I was and what I was doing when I heard that Joker had won the Golden Lion Award at Venice. And that was a big shift because there were some early reactions that were actually really positive. It's funny to think how much the discourse changed, particularly on Twitter, where it just like immediately shifted very harshly uh, due to it getting a, a film festival award and from Lucretia Martel, who's a very respected, esoteric South American filmmaker. It, it seemed like it's, it seemed strange. And Joker was playing at TIFF and it kind of, that was the biggest shift. I think prior to that, everyone was still very on high about Parasite, which showed at Cannes. Uh, and it was the biggest North American premiere. But what I think the biggest surprises coming out of TIFF was mostly that, okay, so I had actually seen two films weeks and weeks prior because of some content that we were creating at uh, Fandango. Uh, so seen, I'd seen Hustlers weeks prior. I'd seen Knives Out prior. So I didn't see those in the room there. But I saw all the reactions and spoke to many people afterward. I, I was I liked both of those films quite a lot uh, when I initially had seen them. And it really felt like Jennifer Lopez was going to get a nomination coming out, coming out of TIFF, which I would have fully supported. I think that she was great in it. And I think she has one of the best opening character introductions of anyone of this year of just not only the strip scene, but right after she's on the roof smoking a cigarette and a fur coat and her first first two lines are, does money make you horny and come into my fur? It was a, it was a, (laughs) uh, it was a, yeah, it was a rousing, a rousing, not a rousing. (laughs) Uh, Be careful with the wording here. (laughs) And I think, I think, it really, because we'd kind of been talking about a little bit uh, in the office, and it seemed like, you know, this is, uh, she might have a shot at this, but it felt like a tiff that she was, there was no way she was going to get left out. So you were, you were buying the hype for her. At, at yeah. And Knives Out felt like, I was always on the fence about it getting in more than screenplay. I'm, I'm actually, gl- I'm glad that it got into screenplay. I think that it's mm. a it's a very witty script uh, and very uh, timely for, for the year. But the reaction at TIFF for Knives Out was like through the roof. Uh, and once it was nominated for the PGA Awards, I think it was one of the or it appeared on the AFI list. One of those. It felt like, oh, this might actually sneak into uh, Best Picture. And I think if Best Picture were straight 10, I think Knives Out probably would have been there. But the probably the the biggest like. I'm surprised this didn't do anything at all and not even just for award season but even just like art house movies was there was there was a moment when waves was like pretty high on people's are and and again this is another one of those films that there's there's like a you know there's a cool for school backlash against but you know that was something that had immense buzz out of telluride and telluride happens like just three days before tiff starts Mm -hmm. and and, it, you know, it was A24, which didn't really have a de facto awards player figured out yet. Uh, the, the Farewell did well at Sundance. Uh, 
you know, the lighthouse had its enthusiasts, but I mean, I saw that at TIFF and I was like, there's, this is, the, the Academy can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's safe to say that if, you know, we told you back then that Sterling K. Brown, Kang Ho Song, Taika Waititi, if all of them would have gotten snubbed, you would have been a little surprised. Uh, I think more with uh, Taika Waititi. I think Sterling right. K. Brown was uh, definitely bubble uh, mm-hmm. bubble feeling but it felt like he would have been like right on the bubble but that bubble just burst so early and King yeah. Ho I actually I wouldn't have pegged him then uh, I'm glad that he got the attention that he did and particularly from the critics awards but I I wouldn't have been like oh he I think that this is like the movie that will like get him into the nominations not when I saw Parasite you know he nominated for like everything uh, but I didn't I didn't particularly think that there were going to be acting awards just because the Oscars can be, they're largely very, very inside, inside baseball. And I think that that's ultimately what happened uh, for a lot of the acting categories. Like it's hard for people who aren't in the system to get nominated. I know that Yulitsa, Yulitsa did for Roma, but that seemed kind of more of the year. This best supporting actor slate is, I mean, it's always been massive this year. The actor slate and the best supporting actor slate have just been full of huge, monumental, very famous, overdue talent. Well, that's kind of what the next question was was going to lead to anyway. I mean, the five supporting candidates that we did get, the five supporting actor noms that we did end up with from the Academy, you said it. They are just gigantic names. Uh, there's usually at least one. You just cited Yelitsa Aparicio talking about supporting actress last year, but there's usually at least one maybe up-and-comer, maybe uh, you know an older name that hasn't been the A-list, the cream character of the crop for a while, yeah. some character yeah. actor. There's usually at least one of those. That's not the case with the five nominees this year what do you think is it just all academy is driven to those top names they're just all legacy picks what do you make of having these five super duper a-listers being in the supporting category this year well and i know we're, we're going to talk a lot about brad pitt which i am very excited about because i think <laughs> he's uh very overdue and talking about as a very talented actor Agreed. Uh, but but I also do think that there is some category fraud for him being here uh, because, because he he arguably is the co-lead. Part of the reason why there are so many powerhouse actors in this lineup is essentially you have you have three co-leads between Pitt, Tom Hanks and uh, Anthony Hopkins and Pitt particularly as a like very equal co-lead but then you also with Irishman you have two you have two actors in a three and a half hour movie (laughs) (laughs) so that I that definitely pushed out the character actors and the side kind of more supporting actors and it just kind of became a second best actor category in a lot of ways so we got to get into the uh, front runner here Brad Pitt we were dying to talk about him you wrote that Pitt has perhaps never been better comma carrying DiCaprio's load you wrote that in your top 10 films of the year article on fatango.com so you probably love this career as much as Mike and I have why do you love this performance so much to give it such high praise and you also loved Ad Astra from this year as well and his performance in that so why do you think this is some of his best work why do you think he's uh, sweeping right now preach to this choir of Mike's please now Well, I think for for Brad Brad Pitt is a very interesting actor because 
it seems like he's always wanted to be a supporting actor, a character actor, but he's hmm. smoking hot. <laughs> and so, <laughs> sure is. For, so for like most of the nineties, like he, he wanted, like he was given and kind of forced into leading roles and a lot of like less interesting roles. You could tell very early on in his career that he was more interested in kind of side characters because like he was given true romance and he's like, I want to play the guy who's just like stoned on the couch <laughs> uh, and not like one of the leads or anything like that. His first Oscar nomination was when he was going insane in 12 Monkeys. And I would say he was probably he was a little he was a little over overacting. I think when he got those character actor moments he like really swung really hard because you know then he'd have to be back into like meet joe black or something like that and carrying lead performance i think that there was a major shift in pitt's career tree of life onward where we got to see him become more silent and contemplative and more 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 of a character actor someone who isn't telling you how they feel they're showing you how they feel and not through like big sweeping gestures but through i mean if you can watch an actor and you can see them think and you feel like you know what is going on in their headspace that is to me some very specific and interesting types of acting and maybe it's because like i i you know true of life uh, his his character and i think it's his first like great 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 top to bottom performance i think he had a lot of very good performances before in his career but tree of life i mean maybe it is i think it clicked a little bit in my brain this will maybe get a little uh, maybe this is a little too personal but the uh, tree of life uh his character reminds me a lot of my father and my dad actually when he was younger kind of looked like him and ever since then he's taken these like silent type roles uh, and he's had obviously a lot of public demons that he's um, or demons that have become public with his uh, relationship with Angelina, his uh, battles to become sober. And I think part of something that is very exciting about the moment that he's having now is he's becoming very open in these interviews that he's doing. He's candidly talking about like in ways that you don't really hear many actors talk about their past roles where he'll be like ah oh, that was a mistake or like uh oh, this is like one that i really fought for or like he has a lot of very insightful things to say about his career and he's he doesn't seem to take uh praise that well which there are a lot of actors that are that way but he also like he, he puts himself down in previous roles and some sometimes i think unfairly like i he, he thinks that he's terrible in uh interview with a vampire but i actually think that he's very good that was one of his very early roles that are kind of similar to Once Upon a Time or Ad Astro, where it's the more passive character who is like processing or being or like trying to it isn't the one that is like the the big romantic uh, showboating lead like Tom Cruise and that or Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time. Now, Ad Astra, he had to do all, that all on his own, which is, I think, why a lot of people struggled with it, because you're watching someone who struggles with their emotions and is just kind of like a machine, but eventually starts to like have some emotions and has to kind of process that because it is foreign and and there's dad issues in that. And I think that I think when there's when there are dad issues, uh, Pitt really shines. And with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in a lot of ways, like Leo is his is his dad in some type of. Huh. 
Uh, and it's it's an interesting portrayal because we're used to seeing movies set in Hollywood, you know, about fame and stuff like that. Uh, it's, you know, about people trying to get further or like increase their stardom. And this is just a guy who's like A-OK with where he's at. And that's a rare thing to see in movies with someone just kind of like they're just like they're fine they're going about their business and that doesn't sound very exciting but somehow Pitt makes it very exciting to just like watch a guy be okay with his life and the fact that like it probably hasn't turned out like he thought it would that's wild that you say all that. And uh, yeah, you're right. The willful protagonist or the willful character gets tabbed more often than the one who kind of is more stoic, shows restraint. Something that Mike and I talk about a bunch on here is the comic performance or the physical performance doesn't necessarily get awarded at the end of the day. And with all that talk about somewhat restraint or the calmer performance that Brad Pitt gives in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that you just mentioned, I'm wondering if this, Mike could finally adhere to what we've been theorizing now for a while. Do you think, Brian, that this is an actor's actor performance? Do you think like this is something that maybe, you know, to the, the layman, we're not noticing or louding it as much, or at least we didn't in the preamble, but this is something that actors just go nuts for because it's, it's so versatile, but at the same time, he's more of an assist man and he's calmer and he's, and he's stoic, like I said, like you said too. I think that there's a lot that... Um when actors comment on other actors is their ability to allow to know what the other performer is going to do and kind of like make sure their performance doesn't match that but allow it to happen and i think that like with leo's character in particular you have to like mm -hmm. allow rick dalton to explode and you, you're not going to try to match that because if you match it you'd be like why would this guy always have him around he always has him around because he's like zen and you just kind of just have to be zitten. And he's always like talking him up, be, talking Rick Dalton up because he can't like talk himself up. It's much easier to like tell someone else like you're Rick fucking Dalton. Go do this. If ultimately like they're paying, you, you know, giving you your paycheck and giving you access in life because like right. feel like you can't really do it on your own. I think that um, something that Pitt does uh, in this performance is he accesses the mover, movie star charisma that he naturally has mm. and applies it to someone that is pretty even keel. And so, like, he he's able to afford and bring some romanticism, probably just, like, out, out of it being, you know, it's being it's Brad Pitt. But I think that that old-school charisma and that old-school movie stardom, because movie stars are kind of, they're really fading. People watch sure. it. They watch properties more now than they watch movie stars. Absolutely. So, and because this is like old Hollywood, and I think you know Brad Brad Pitt is at this point one of I mean he's been one of our biggest movie stars for decades, and that's that is a strange phenomenon. And to some people, it might seem strange that he hasn't won an Oscar. Uh, but I think something that also is very beneficial for Pitt right now, outside of the fact everyone that is in his category has already won an Oscar for acting. I should say that mm -hmm. Pitt has won an Oscar for producing, but that gets me to my next point, that his production company, Plan B, is hugely important to discuss with uh, his appeal in Hollywood, because not only is 
he, you know, a, a very good actor and uh, he has, you know, great star power, but he's really thrown his weight behind a lot of interesting films and very young and it, people and uh, filmmakers that maybe wouldn't have quite the access that they would like. He's, he's done all of uh, Barry Jenkins over the last couple of years. Uh, he, you know, helped push Adam McKay away from Step Brothers and into the political origami sure. <laughs> that he's doing. Uh, but he's also <laughs> currently, because as we're recording this, Sundance is going on. Uh, there's a film down there uh, from an Asian-American filmmaker called Minari. I haven't seen it, but it is the movie that everyone is losing their minds over. And that's a, another plan, plan B film. And I think, so not only does he have like this, this interesting great career of leading man performances and occasionally some some odd character studies uh he has a great production uh company that as annapurna has sputtered because they became a distributor and who knows what their future is like plan b is one of the most important indie film production companies of now and particularly how he operates it of like not he, he did a podcast with mark Marin recently and said you know like never made a sense and it's not his goal to do that like he just he just needs to make one percent back in order to keep the lights on and so like in order to like for for an industry that won't take a lot of risk brad pitt is very necessary as well not even just as an actor but as a producer it's a Backstage, the behind-the-curtain stuff about the studios jockeying for positioning and stuff and Annapurna struggles, we've covered that on here. That's the stuff. I can't get enough of that stuff, the I business side of the, the production. But always, I didn't think of it from yeah, that angle. Makes, plan B, makes plan a lot B's of not, sense. Just, not just a great company in their own right, but they've broken through at the Oscars, right. and th- that makes a ton of sense. Right. I didn't and and it goes all towards, and I, I'm just echoing what Brian said because I think it's just a mm. outstanding answer, but all towards the appeal of Pitt and kind of this quote-unquote campaign that he's been running here. Uh, I guess just to kind of transition, getting – got to watch my wording too because I was going to say getting off Pitt, but we'll, we'll <laughs> pivot away from Pitt for a minute and say of the other four nominees in this category, Hanks, Hopkins, Pesci, Pacino, you've kind of talked about all of them a little bit already – Look, we know we're not blind to the fact that Brad Pitt's probably running away with this category. Probably. But if you had to pick a number two or maybe whoever does have the best chance at the wild upset, where would you be placing your bet? Uh, if had to, well, Hopkins has to just happy to be be there and he probably won't even go to the ceremony because I don't think he goes to any of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there'll be a still photo likely there for... Hopkins, unless maybe he wants to, maybe he wants to meet Joe Black again. Uh, <laughs> I like that yeah. real life sequel. Yeah, that movie isn't as bad as some people say, right? Or am I am I on the island there? I I think that there's an interesting film there, and as much as I've been like waxing poetic about Pitt, I think I think that he's really pretty terrible in that movie <laughs> it's, um, it's vintage smell the fart acting that whole thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think the story is good and anthony hopkins is actually quite good in that but i think it's it's a, it's a it's bloated but i think that it's an in, there's an interesting film in there mm. and you know that point in the 90s when pitt was doing the whole frosted tips thing it didn't really help him out <laughs> that much either so that's a fair call true <laughs> true there but um 
I think Hanks, uh, this is like, I think this is a little bit, I think that people, obviously, they really like his performance, but I think this is also a little bit of a makeup that he hasn't been nominated in many, many years. And that seems very strange for someone like Tom Hanks, particularly when he's given a few of his best performances of his career the last couple of years and and, uh, Captain Phillips or Soli. And so I I think that this is just like a, a kind of welcoming back into that type of prestige. I think both of the Irishman performances are great. They're very worthy of being there. And they're obviously from like, uh, you know, from Titans uh, of, of acting. And I think if there was one of them there, it might be more of a threat, but they'll ultimately cancel each other out. And it just really does feel like on Gold Derby, they have uh, what is that thing where you can do like two super bets? It does feel like this is a super bet category where it's like you you have to choose pit. It would be shocking if it'd be shocking if he lost but also if he lost to i think either of the irishman actors i think that those are worthy very very worthy performances i'm i'm personally uh, a pacino guy in this regard and i kind of love all the with a lot of things going on in the world how like pacino's reactions and and this have like turned into commentary memes on various (laughs) dumb motherfuckers line or uh (laughs) it was so good to see him back in in pacino form but i not agree more and i think pesci is great as well he's uh playing against type and I think, you know, he had a lot of critic, he had more critical goodwill than Brad Pitt did. Brad Pitt's been winning more with actors and like the the, the more like uh, gilded uh, old old school awards ones, whereas like a lot of the, a lot of the critics awards have been going Pesci's way. Uh, but Pesci is one. This is the first time that he's acted in many, many years and he probably will not act again. So there could be kind of like a oh this is our final shot but at the same time you know who knows if this is like one of Pitt's final shots and I, I i just think that you know and it's also a movie that made money for a studio i think right. you can't really discount that and it seemed like for a little bit until 1917 really caught on here that once upon a time was going to really check all the academy's boxes because made money it's a director that's never won best director it's uh, about the film industry which they just love to mm. bask in the glow of themselves so it, it felt like a lot of things were setting up for this movie to walk away but this might actually be one of the few few places to reward it and reward it for someone who'd never who's never won and is good and is a uh, uh, a beloved person in town and who also produces other people's work in town. It's just like, it's, it's just like perfect pin setup for him. This question just dawned on me. I, I'm wondering if there's too much Netflix in this category and if there's too much Netflix in a few categories, do you think they spread their campaigning around too wide? Uh, do you think, I mean, you're just reading tea leaves out there that Netflix was all about the nominations, more or more about the nominations than the necessary winners? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, Netflix wants to to win, but they definitely mm-hmm. do have, they have so many horses in the race because, you know, that's what, if you have $17 billion a year to spend on content, you know, the, your, your ratio should be pretty good that you'll make. But they should win one, right? <laughs> like you would think at some point. I think at some point, I think what is 
important about this year. It was ac- it was actually a very very good year for studios, studio films and original films, and like uh, I mean, 1917 is just crossed a hundred million dollars. Uh, Little Women is about to. Once Upon a Time, The Joker obviously made a lot of money. Uh, these are Ford v Ferrari made more than a hundred. Like the, this is a very good year for studio film, and so this just won't be the year for Netflix because of that. Because there still is a pissing match going on between like how we should watch movies and what is deemed uh, valuable. Of that, I think that a lot of that is more vocal in trade publications, and I I don't think it's like it occupies as much headspace for all these executives as they as they like to say because you know when the netflix won nothing at the golden globes film wise oh wait no laura dern did one but it didn't win any of the large categories and they were stacked in all those places um mm. but still everyone from hollywood was at the netflix party you know at the at the <laughs> at the end of the night and that's where brad pitt was and speaking of plan b they, they basically said you know after their deal with Annapurna, you know, proved to be not a great idea. They're kind of just like, you know, we'll do A24 or we'll do Netflix. And Netflix will eventually win. It seemed like having a Scorsese movie might have uh, been the one to do that. But it just doesn't doesn't feel that way anymore. All right. So let's let's put a try to put a bow on this category overall, uh, whether it's coming from a studio or whether it's one of the the Netflix uh, nominees here. I guess you've kind of touched on some of your snubs already in this category. Uh, Just as a way of wrapping up, is there another snub that really sticks out to you? And if not, even so, either way, could you also tell us, do you think the Academy has is getting it right? Do you think they're going to get this category uh, correct overall? Is Brad Pitt your winner personally? Or if not, who is the Brian Forma winner for Best Supporting Actor? of this year well my my answer is going to be all over the place because i think that this category is stocked full of very good performances but as i mentioned i also feel like it's playing a little loose uh with who's in this category it reminds me a little bit of uh the 2015 oscar year for best supporting actress where you had both uh, Alicia Vikander and uh, Rooney Mara in the supporting actress category, even though they had more time, screen time, than their the leading roles that were nominated. I mean, Rooney Mara really should have won that year. But I think that this year, Brad Pitt, of who they have in this category, I think that he deserves to win. I personally have him, like, I think I have him third on my best actor for this performance. Uh, wow. And so, because I, I, I just, I, I just can't really put him there. But it's funny because, like, the person who I would say I think is my personal, he was snubbed, my personal pick for Best Supporting Actor this year is almost, almost right there on the same, like, extreme co-lead, and that's Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse. Yes. Uh, but I do think that Willem Dafoe in The, the Lighthouse has more separation where it's not his story kind of in any regard whereas once upon a time it's both these guys stories and the lighthouse is 100 percent robert pattinson's story and Willem defoe is just there to torment him with his uh (laughs) with his his farts and liquor and i think that it's uh even before brad pitt wins willem willem defoe is the most uh well I guess I'm just operating that Joaquin Phoenix is probably winning because Joaquin Phoenix 
is the most overlooked, under-rewarded actor. I don't think that Joker is the one that he should have won for, but I don't care because he should have won by about four by this point. So (laughs) I'm totally totally fine when he gets the one, and he's also very good in it. But after Joaquin wins, I think Willem Dafoe is the most uh, egregious non-Oscar winner of our modern actors. And he takes something like The Lighthouse that could so easily be a caricature and you don't even see Willem Dafoe it just you're just seeing an 1898 seaman and he's unbelievable he's so good that Hark scene is going to go down as an all-timer, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. And it's it's wild how we get guests on here, Mike, that see the film here as much like we do. It's amazing. I, I'm thankful for yeah. it. It no, makes us sound it. not crazy. I think there's a reason for it, because we yeah. love Fandango. We love reading everything that they write over there. We love uh, you know going there for Fandango now. I mean, the thing you guys do with the VIP points, giving me free movie watching, <laughs> is just addictive. And it's circular, and it's brilliant. You guys are doing it. A tremendous job with the scene study series there on all access on youtube and uh on, on the website there so uh, you know i'm wondering how, how you're loving your new digs i mean you're working for fandango what, what's got you excited about, the, about you know about the future there and uh, why'd you take your talents there in general um well i took my talents i took my talents to, <laughs> to beverly hills <laughs> there you go <laughs> because so Look, I, I love film criticism. I actually was doing it in the early 2000s for a newspaper. And I kind of, when I moved out to L.A. many years later, um, I really enjoyed building that career. Loved my time at Complex and at Collider uh, and various other freelance things along the way. Had a lot of great editors. How, however, in 2017... The website that I had been working for had been bought and sold twice, and it just felt a little like, you know, as much as I love this medium, it's it's a very difficult uh, way to <laughs> survive on a regular paycheck. And I still wanted to stay in the space. And what Fandango has afforded me is the ability to still work in content, but not within uh, not within journalism. So we create a lot of content for YouTube and uh, we're going to like be creating more content that will live on the app and maybe send you push notifications. It's, it's less writing, which actually that is something that I miss a little bit, but I get to scratch the itch there and uh, do way too many letterbox filings. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I love working in content around movies and I do, I do love going to the theater to watch movies. And so it's, and I like my role here where I get to kind of like stick up for, um, some films that maybe, uh, someone higher up wouldn't say like, Oh, we really need to do a series on this. But like, you know, I'm very passionate about like, you know, getting, uh, Robert Pattinson in or Adam Sandler in and the Safdie brothers. And so that's been, uh, a great series to help our video production team with. And I like being able to watch movies anywhere, but <laughs> I have become, I like need to watch it in the theater because my brain has changed so much. When I watched the Irishman in the theater, I was glued, loved it. 
I actually, the first time that I saw it, I actually had to see it twice because the projection broke at a certain point and they couldn't get it back to the same scene. And so, like, it basically, the first time I saw it, it was five hours as opposed to. Oh, three. gosh. Oh, uh, my God. But, but it flew by. It was great. I loved it. But when I watched it at, at home, I just like, my brain just like wants to look at the phone every couple minutes and I had to like put it in another room. And so I, I love, I love selling people on the theatrical experience. Cause I know that I'm not alone that like when the lights go down, uh, in the theater, like it's one of the few places where you can actually like focus entirely on something else and be taken away. So yeah, that's my that's my theatrical pitch at the end there. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's 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 awesome, and you can tell. I mean, your your appreciation for what you do and for what you cover, and it's uh, not only it not only seeps off you in this conversation, but you can truly see it in all the work and all the writing that you do do, and the content that Fandango in general does put out. Uh, we cannot thank you enough, Brian, for your time. This was awesome. We have to have you back on at some point. Uh, this was truly truly enlightening stuff, and we thank you very much for giving us a piece of your day here. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Brian Formo, Fandango. Be sure to go seek him out. We'll give you his socials at the end of the episode. Brian, have a good one, buddy. Thanks to you guys, too. All right, our thanks to Brian Formo uh, for hanging out with us, giving us a piece of his time. Let's transition now and go right into the traditional category review episode like you've come to know from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not joined us before for a category review, then you you wouldn't come to know it. So here's the format for it. From here on out, Mike and I are going to go through each and every nominee that the Academy has given us, and we will give each of them individually reasons why they will win on Oscar Sunday and reasons why they will not win. And you may be saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, isn't supporting actor all locked up well okay but it's still a thought exercise so we had to put our conspiracy hats on it's and come fun. up with reasons why uh the four people not named brad pitt shredded like a greek <laughs> god from the neck down at the age of 55 <laughs> will still win their academy awards this sunday so the way we start this section in the traditional category review as we like to call it we're going to start with snubs michael who did not get nominated this year that had the chance and the merit to so who's not shredded like a Greek god, but who is a metaphor <laughs> for a Greek god ah, in the lighthouse. Look at you. Willem Dafoe is yeah. a huge snub for me. Uh, the Hark scene, there's so many great scenes in the lighthouse. Willem Dafoe, my number one snub this year. You're not alone there. I know that for a fact. I wanted him to get nominated. Yeah. He get, did get a Critics' Choice tab, but that's not enough. Shia LaBeouf from Honey Boy is another major snub for me. I thought he had some of the most emotional scenes ever. You and Paul Walter House are big fans of his in that, uh, that Crying in the bathroom, just yeah. like our daily lives. <laughs> uh, wonderful job by Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Sterling K. Brown from Waves. That's a guy other. that could take his shirt off and go ab for ab with Mr. Pitt. I was gushing over his performance in Waves for the longest time. Another A24 snub, which makes me very sad as well. This has nothing to do with being a snub, but Sterling K. Brown on Instagram did that Facebook, Tinder, whatever, four-picture <laughs> thing. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you did that just to post that Tinder picture. I know why you did that. If you got it, I guess you should have flaunted it. Uh, I would know. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet from Little Women, also a snub, as well as Kang Ho's song. Uh, we've mentioned that. I've even been in favor of that. I think the performances in Parasite are quite Academy-worthy. They didn't get there. I know a lot of people, especially speaking of Kang Ho's song, we're interested to see his name called once these Academy nominations were announced. It wasn't to be. Yeah, a lot of people picked him. Uh, Asia, 
Etzandia. I should have looked up how to pronounce his name. From Pain and Glory. He was the old-time actor who worked with Antonio Banderas' character, uh, director character. Long ago, they kind of reunite, and it's it's a hell of a scene. It's a couple of scenes, really. There's drugs involved. It's it's they're loaded one scene after the next with those two. Mike, you got a, a another snub that the both of us can agree on? Maybe the most surprising Oscars momentum or buzz or however you want to classify it this year was the three weeks before It Chapter yeah. 2 came out. Yeah. The people who had seen it already were like, wow, Bill Hader might be nominated for this. By far the best part of that movie. Oh, yeah, without question. By far the best performance in that movie. Well, and, again, without question, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he's been on a roll with Emmys and Globes. It's and- probably only a matter of time. I mean, he is... What a talent. If I were to tell you that Bill Hader may be, you know, one of the, the first from SNL, the SNL alum, to get a dramatic Oscar, dramatic awards like he has been racking up, like he said, right. I don't know that I would have won that bet. But Wesley Snipes, I was very high on him from Dolomite is my name, Dolomite in my name. In general, we've talked about pretty much every one of these category review episodes we've done thus far being snubbed. It was all in the eyes in that performance, right? He bugged out those eyes so often. It made me laugh. It scared me. It was terrific. Uh, And another one that both of us were very much high on, as well as other people out there in the film Twitter land, Robert Downey Jr. for Avengers Endgame. You called this him being campaigned from Disney. I was surprised they did. And now I'm wondering if they only did that as a cursory thing. Like, yeah, Robert, we'll campaign for you. And that'll be it. They didn't campaign enough for Avengers Endgame. I'm surprised they didn't really go for it. I wonder if he's the best dad of the year. He might Mm. be the best dad of the year. Because we've seen a lot of bad dads. Like Sterling K. Brown, probably bad dad. Shia LaBeouf, bad dad. I mean... Mine uh, left for milk 13 years ago. I haven't seen him since. (laughs) Robert De Niro, bad dad. A lot of bad dads in this category and a couple categories. But my goodness, Robert Downey Jr. with that 3,000 quote. Made a meme. I mean, if you can make a meme in this day and age, that's as good as any Oscar. No question, but we got a couple more that we both saw. Sam Rockwell from Richard Jewell. Probably a better performance than what he did last year in Vice. It was so good. I'm still angry about that movie in general. It got overlooked. Yeah, it uh, Taika YTT from Jojo Rabbit. It's a funny character. It's a warped character. You got to be a little sick that's in the head sure. to like it. Maybe that's why Oscar voters didn't quite go for it. But it's a it's a great great job by him. Tracy Letts playing the deuce. John Ford the second was it from Ford v Ferrari. Michael. I don't even think that was the best Tracy Letts performance of the year because his role in Little Woman <laughs> yeah. killed me. Yeah, he was funny in that, and he was a dick in both roles. <laughs> yes, he was. He played a great dick this you year. You never asked me about my mother. <laughs> After being such a sweetheart last yeah. year in Lady Bird. Man has range, and he was on what the Gotham stage cracking jokes and being like a one man joke show. Definitely. He's awesome. But he took charge of a room, and I want to yeah. take charge charge of a room like the deuce at Absolutely. some point in my life. Yeah, somebody else who can take charge of a room is Wendell Pierce sure. from Burning Kane. It, it's kind of a soul-crushing performance because he's dealing with alcoholism in that film, but it, it's a preacher that uh, really you know does the performance within a performance as he's up on the pulpit there, and he, you see him behind the scenes in that movie, which is still on Netflix. Go check it out. It's it's a rough watch, but it, it's you know you're watching a, a wunderkind uh, with that director and Wendell Pierce's performance is, is excellent. Dean Charles Chapman from 1917. We were yeah. wondering for a while if anyone from 1917 would break through on the acting side for that movie. It wasn't to be, but he had his fans certainly. Call him by his proper name. Damn it. I don't know what it is. Book smart mag. 
pie. Uh, Winston Duke from us as well. Uh, he has a couple proper names, and one of them might be Jordan Peele's clone or conduit in yeah, that movie. The uh, Giant Jordan. <laughs> the Giant Jordan could be a proper name. I like. I love him in that role too. I just rewatched that movie. He is so funny. He is. He is one of those touchstone characters that really works as a foil, but is also believable. Yeah. We've seen that done so wrong so often. Another, you know, tip of the hat to Jordan Peele's screenwriting. But yeah, Tom and Baratheon, he should have one. Toothpick bubblegum. <laughs> Alessandro Nivola from The Art of Self-Defense. He was uh, great last year in a couple roles. I still got to see that. Uh, he's excellent this year as well. Tim Roth from Loose. Chris Evans from Knives Out. Luke Perry from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Will Sasso. Yeah, I was surprised to see that name on the list. American Woman playing the brother-in-law. And then Jeffrey Donovan from Villains to uh, finish out this list. All right, so those are the names that didn't make nomination here in the Supporting Actor category. We'll transition now into the five names that did get nominated here by the Academy. The five nominees for Supporting Actor, why they will win and why they will lose. Let's start at the top with America's dad, Mike. Why will Tom Hanks win and pull off the upset? All right, because over the next week, I'm going to prophesy it is revealed <laughs> that Brad Pitt gets back together with Jennifer Aniston. Oh my God, oh, what a scandal. Don't it tease happens. Me. Mike goes wild. <laughs> we have to dedicate... You think I yelled last episode. <laughs> we have to dedicate a whole new episode series to it. We say, screw the Oscars. It's all Brad and Jen from here on out. So... This is happening, right? And then the Baptists come along, and then our episodes become thoroughly irrelevant because he dumps her on the red carpet. And in, there's a very the public carpet. There's a very public and ugly screaming. Nobody's fight. lived their life in public like Brad Pitt. She could accuse him of not wanting to do kinky feet stuff. Oh, that uh, Brad Pitt learned from a certain somebody, perhaps in Here's, this hypothetical situation, which is really not happening. Don't don't sue me. Here's my question. Does that argument get submitted to the Academy for 2020's Academy Awards for Best Picture? At least the Golden Globe's Best Drama, right? <laughs> oh my god and then of course you know the last ditch uh, thing that could happen is a very particular deleted scene is released from brad's movie from this year okay. that reveals something that ha probably happened oh, in the film Christ. and it just totally nullifies the fact that he should win any award of course i'm talking about the birthing scene from ad astra <laughs> He walks through the water for some reason for only three minutes. I think that's where we were going. It was only three minutes of boredom, but it's it, the full scene, of course. Spends a whole Gray. movie hanging out with an underage prostitute, and no, we're going at Ash. No, huh? the All full right. scene. The full scene is he's walking through for a twenty minute. It's a twenty minute scene that James. Just Gray an shot. actual birthing scene. It's a birthing scene. There's birds and the bees on the walls. He's following the umbilical cord through the water. I'd like to remind everyone that that's why Tom Hanks will win this category. Because Tom Hanks is the wholesome counter. He's the wholesome counter candidate to all these hypothetical shenanigans that in my evil world, evil Brad Pitt would do. It's like the Academy's palate cleanser at that point. We have to, we need to clean this we need. We can't vote for this man. This, this Save us, Dad. This exercise has resorted into, or become, or devolved into a guess the plot I episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. At don't this point. have much better reasons. I'll be honest. Uh, my main reason is because he's Tom Hanks, yeah. and he's due, Probably and he's playing reason. Fred Rogers, yeah. and he's due. Correct. Don't forget, Hanks is only nominated for Oscars when he's a serious threat to win. His roles in Captain Phillips, The Post, Charlie Wilson's War, Sully—they're all nominated at major precursors 
precursor shows for Hanks, but he's not used as category filler, quote unquote. Yeah. In other words, he's not a nominee that generally doesn't really have a chance at winning at the Academy Awards. Otherwise, they would have nominated all those other movies. Exactly. Right. And I mean, he hasn't been nominated at this show, as a matter of fact, since his role in Castaway in 2001. Uh, but back to my original point, how I started this, he's due. Are there two other people the Academy has more wrongfully screwed over recently than Tom Hanks and Fred Rogers? Like, other than every minority, and female directors, and sound editors, and mixers, and the below-the-line workers they wanted to take time away from by not televising their award, except... Yeah, you know what? Never mind. Screw Tom Hanks and Fred Rogers. <laughs> All right, Mike. Podcast dedicated to Tom Hanks. <laughs> you had a moment there at the top. No more. Sorry. I told you. I didn't have much better no, reason than you did. It's tough, man. I don't. I mean, look, this category seems sewn up, so the easier conversation to have is why, Mike, will Tom Hanks not win the Academy Award? Well, Hanks is the lone nominee for yeah. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. We've been over this stat uh, the past few years with a lot of lone nominees being being in here. Some of that that were considered contenders, but, you know, they really didn't have a chance because at the end of the day, their movie's at the bottom of the screen pile because it's it's only a one nominee film when rylance pulled off the late charge with bafta and then the oscar number one elbow had won the sag already opening up the race but you know back to my point bridge of spies was nominated for six oscars so that was a much watched film and that was a like a median level film in terms of the nomination so rylance got more attention probably because yeah. people finally watched that screener that makes more sense to me that rather was, than this this year i don't know how many people are getting to this that was idris elba that won the side you're yes. talking about sound like you said elbow elba. E- idris elbow which if he was a wrestler Idris great, the Elbow? Great name. Idris the Elbow, <laughs> Beast of No Nation. Yeah, that would be. I'm all for that. I actually would demand a career change now that that's come across my mind. So thank you. But yeah, look, the what you're saying for why Hanks isn't going to win is the most boring and most obvious, and it's true. I mean, yes, he's the lone representative from his own film. They don't do well, especially in supporting categories. Also, it's Brad Pitt's category. And again, it's boring, it's mundane, you've heard it a billion times, but... It, it, there's not a big chance, especially for Tom Hanks in this category. I would think if Brad Pitt does get upset, Hanks is certainly not the first name I'm going to pick to pull it off. Yeah, there's a certain defense force out there right now that's uh, <laughs> mad at the both of us because I, I w- would have snubbed him again this year. I think I would have too. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't disagree necessarily with all the snubs in the yeah. past either. Just where I'm at. Yeah, look, Bill Simmons said it uh, a couple podcasts ago. He snuck it in. He goes, hey, hot take, Tom Hanks, make a good movie. It's been a while. Oh, I oh. happen to like Charlie Wilson's War. I think it was no, a very true, good movie. True. Um, but that might be it. <laughs> I, I kind of like Sully and Captain Phillips. As right. Well. They're all you know, fine. The they're fine. They're B minus B movies for me. I just I don't I don't see it as the the same level of right. must be an Oscar film. Even Bridge of Spies. It's an okay movie. Yeah. I don't think it's close to Spielberg's best. I was surprised it got six knobs that year. Could be an expectation argument too. Like we've seen Tom Hanks right. go pull deep and pull out a fastball, so we still want that from Can him. Can you imagine if he won again for one of those other awards and like Leo lost? Or yeah. Or even McConaughey. You can't help Leo this year, I think. But yeah, I yeah, know. I get your point. I think you're right. All right, Mike, let's move on to why Anthony Hopkins will win. Yeah, so similar to the argument I pitched in our best director category review before my head exploded off my shoulders, uh, which is the same argument I kind of had for Scorsese. Hopkins is an all-timer. He's a legendary performer, one of the few actors around who make us not feel foolish for referring to those practicing the art to be called thespians in this day and age, but he's still only a one-time Oscar winner, and you look 
look at the other, the category, the list of people that have won multiples for acting, Voldemort Spacey has two. Renee Zellweger's likely going to win her second on this very night. Even Hopkins' most famous scene partner ever in Clarice was able to nab a second one, that being Jodie Foster, of course. But we're going to let Anthony Hopkins leave his career without being on equal footing of Gene Hackman and Michael Caine? I mean, say what you want about the argument of who's better and who has the better career. That just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I wonder, though, if he set the bar too high with his first win. I mean, how do you top Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. The Remains of the Day, it's an excellent performance. I kind of like that movie in a weird grandma sort Mm. of way. I'm a grandma. <laughs> Nixon is a performance that's a bit too over the top. Yeah, for me. I wasn't crazy about it. The makeup and hairstyling is awful. By the, I, I by don't the think. Way, yeah, it's movie. a part of the horror. I see Anthony Hopkins. I don't see Nixon at all in that movie. <sighs> he must have the worst Halloween costumes, Oliver Stone, <laughs> because he. Did, I don't like any of the costuming in those movies. Amistad, he's he's a solid uh, character in that, but th- those are his other three nominations, other than his win and this one here for five total. Look, I think there's a few serendipitous cases of an actor who becomes both an Oscar winner and a movie star on the same night with the same film. Hopkins is one of those cases. I wonder if the Academy looks at that and sees such a high degree of success all at once with a guy that's in a top five film of the year in terms of box office and the, the one that sweeps everything. I mean, when you reach that mountaintop, it's hard to, to win after that. Yeah, it's a good point. I, can't, I guess this is why he will win, though. Because <laughs> I just ran my mouth again, making no argument. Because I can't do it. I can't do it. He should not win for You're the You're just folks. submitting. You give up on your way to the ring for your match? I did. I did. I can't. I'm sorry. Mike, why will Anthony Hopkins not win this Other match? than everything you just said? Please. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the role and the, uh, the performance probably doesn't merit a win, first and foremost. And amazingly, Hopkins <laughs> has the weakest resume of the nominees in this category true this category has been static for every major precursor except the sags where hopkins didn't make nomination at the sags jamie fox made it and so that's the lone omission on any of these five guys resume as far as their biggest precursors being there and being nominated don't talk about who won because there's only one guy that's won anything so far and probably will be even after the baftas this weekend Mm -hmm. but nonetheless you know his resume is weak he probably barely just got in there's an argument about a couple performances in this category who we think may not merit being here just based on what they did. They may be legacy picks. They may be respect picks, etc. I think the argument's easy to be made against Hopkins like that. I wonder if the Academy wanted the, the five huge stars in yeah. this one and they thought that would boost ratings or they thought that would be cool. Well, you bring up an interesting point anyway, and we've kind of already touched on it, these first two entries here. Like, yes, it's easier to not, easier, quote unquote, to get an Oscars win. It never, It's never easy to get an Oscar, obviously, but it's easier if you go through a supporting to get your first Oscar. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've already won an Oscar and you're a legendary leading man mm-hmm. and you step down... Are you always going to have your peaks held against you? It's not anything we've really talked about because we this is the first year in the supporting category we have like five super-duper A-listers that are former leading men that have all kind of taken supporting roles. But right. it's like, does Tom Hanks have to be Forrest Gump in Philadelphia? Tom Hanks to be considered winning an Oscar in the supporting category? Does Anthony Hopkins have to be Hannibal? To You know, that's an interesting conversation. If he was with a bunch of debuts and maybe character actors that, you know, don't have the name recognition, and that's most years, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. 
was, and then maybe he was going against like Rockwell again, right. and people were bored with going with Rockwell again. Then I, th- I would see like this kind of performance winning here. But even that's like a perfect storm argument, right? right. Like he needs everything to go his way. Right. That's yeah. why he's not going right. to win this thing. And mm-hmm. I actually did come up with a m- more of an argument. All right, <laughs> Mike, we got to move on to Al Pacino, and I really like your argument here. Why will Al Pacino win? What does the Al Pacino as an owl say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify the rest of that joke with the punchline. Mike, do you know the last time Pacino was nominated for an Academy Award? A while. The last time he also won his lone one in 1993 for Scent of a Woman when he was nominated twice on the same night, also in supporting for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Better performance. Stealing a... Alec Baldwin's nomination there. Uh, there are 26-year-olds alive right now who see Al Pacino nominated in this category and think, what's the big deal? They know him. They know him as the guy from Jack and Jill. He's the- Isn't that the guy that did the dance number in the Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> it's the greatest gift of all time. Uh, it is sad to say, because uh, Pacino's done some great performances since 1993. You had Heat in 95, The Insider in 99, Insomnia in 02. Insomnia was so underrated. Danny Collins in 2015, yeah. even though he probably would have you know, been on the outside of looking in at my five but that was a great performance Mm. those are probably my four favorites yeah and in this one he comes back he does dig down deep a little bit like we kind of asked hanks and and hopkins do he gives Mm -hmm. us this over the top almost bordering on caricature of a pacino performance in certain ways it was self-deprecating because it was so loud it was so boisterous it was pretty much every impersonation of pacino all of us have been doing for years but somehow he was able to do it in the way only he can and kept it realistic enough to fit the tone of the movie and his character perfectly uh he's still probably the higher of the two supporting performances from this movie for me personally he's probably still within my top five of supporting for the year mm-hmm. i can see merit to him winning i would have liked to see him win any kind of precursor beforehand but i don't wouldn't be blown away in terms of pacino one i would be blown away just based on how the precedent of this season has gone yeah, i like that argument i think there's definitely a merit-based argument to be made here scott feinberg discussed this with al pacino on awards chatter why some of his performances can get loud and pacino <laughs> quoted a famous tenor famous singer who said something like well if you can hit the high notes sing loud and that's Love what it. Pacino said. And I wish he put a. I wish he put a hua on the end of that, but it was it was really funny. And you're right. I mean, these are some epic Pacino high notes in this movie. I just rewatched it last night, along with the two popes. I went Netflix crazy last night. How many times have you seen The Irishman? Six. Mike, that's like a day and a half. I of know. Life. I know. It's still good too. The two <laughs> popes is not a good rewatch. No, by the way. I I agree. I, it's a real. That's why I like it. Couldn't even get anything for the Hopkins argument today. But this argument, I mean, it really is a terrific character. It's one of the all-time most stubborn characters, Mike. I mean, I wanted to ask you, which is the more stubborn character? Is it Sandler's Howard Ratner from Uncut Gems, or is it Pacino's Jimmy Hoffa? It's a very difficult question to answer without giving away the spoiler. If the two of them, if the two of them, no, you can't give away the spoiler, but if the two of them are in a room, like in a Larry David situation, you know, curb your enthusiasm type situation, who's budging first? Over a seat, over something stupid. I'm going to say Ratner only because I think one of them saw 
the ending of their movie coming and challenged it. And the other one, I don't think, was prepared for the ending of their movie. I would probably say Jimmy Hoffa would just punch Howard Ratner, <laughs> punch him out. But as uh, you know, as stubborn as Pacino's character is, though, I mean, his performance shows you all of the miscalculations. So there's a ton of subtext here yeah. involved with Jimmy Hoffa, and that's Pacino doing this. Yeah, and it's Pacino being vulnerable throughout the you know the big outpouring of bravado uh, throughout that movie. You know, even though the dialogue's pretty simple, and a lot of these mob, mob movies. These are, you know, guys that are just criminals, thugs in many cases. I don't want to, you know, disparage them, but they don't have, you know, huge vocabularies and they kind of repeat themselves like broken records. And yet Pacino is saying the same thing. It's my union. He's saying it in different ways every time he says it. So I thought he's spectacular in this movie and I love that merit argument. He gives you the emotional range too. That's what every supporting winner, that's what you want, right? That's how they get noticed. Well, this is a fascinating award season because Pesci was the guy from the Irishman yeah. for the longest yeah. time. We were talking months. Joe Pesci's going to be in this five. Al Pacino was on the outside looking in. And I think if Pacino was not nominated at the end of the day, we would have been screaming. I would have been very upset. Yeah, been absolutely. Very upset. That would have been like the, the, the most obvious snub in yeah. our minds. So I'm glad he did get the nomination at least. Mike, why will Al Pacino not win? You just said it. He's probably not even the most likely supporting acting performance from his own movie to win this award. Right. Despite how I feel personally about their rankings, I think the masses out there have Pesci above Pacino as far as more likely to pull off the upset here. You add to that the fact that I've yet to mention the words Brad or Pitt <laughs> when talking about why Pacino won't win, and it's pretty much open and shut. I don't think he has much of a chance, and we got to wait at least another year before any kind of uh, hope that Al Pacino gets one more golden man in his hands. Yeah, and, and my argument goes for both Pesci Pesci and Pacino, because I suspect Brad Pitt is not sweeping if there's only one of these two actors from The Irishman in this category, because I do think they're both strong enough based on merit that one of them could have been tabbed over over Pitt, at least at one of these precursors. And like it was done for Pesci, who was out to the early lead in many of the critic circles. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that totally screwed and cannibalized the vote, uh, much like Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss did last year. And even though I think Pitt is on the level with these guys, there's no question, the same, same way Regina King was definitely on the level with Stone and Weiss last year. So that, that just makes it an easy runaway at that point. When, when you because I still can't decide and it's hard. I, I no, yeah, it's definitely difficult as to who's the ranking there. Like, between, who do you yeah. pick? I mean, one week I'm, I'm higher on Pesci, the next I'm higher on Pacino. It's, it's really hard to decide, and I think the voters are looking at it the same way. Yeah, whether or not, I mean, we're kind of bordering on why I think Pesci won't win. But I, I think whether or not you think they both would get nominated, whether or not there's cannibalization going on. The reason I think either guy's going to lose, and I guess we're covering why Pesci will lose now anyway, it's just... The pit is the caliber. He's a legacy guy. He's still in search of his first. It was anybody else. Mm -hmm. Other than a super duper A-lister, like Brad Pitt, doing what Brad Pitt did and taking off his shirt and making everybody man, woman, and, and thing alike just <laughs> gasp and, and just have hormones flaring and obviously putting forth the performance on top of that. Uh, you know, I, I think it would be a closer race. I, but What if Baby Yoda, Joe Pesci, old man face from the Just strips his shirt the off. car scene? He's like, yeah, I'll nah, fix Joe, that for no, you, No, kid. please, God, Joe, no. No, no, Joe, put it down, Joe. <laughs> no, but it, and he looks like Brad Pitt. Or, yeah, he's just, just shredded completely. <laughs> that would be amazing. He the young body, but he has the old, you know, giant-eared old man head. Is that Jesus? 
Is that what Jesus looks like? It is preposterous, Mike. It's still preposterous, the VFX of that film. But, all right, we got to get into why Joe Pesci will win here. Mike, do you know the last time Joe Pesci was nominated for an Academy Award? When, Mike? When was he nominated? 1991. The last time he was nominated and won his Lone Academy Award. Two years years prior to Pacino for Pesci's work in Goodfellas, in which also Pesci gave the single greatest Oscars acceptance speech of all time. It was his privilege, Mike. He thanks you. I watch that clip (laughs) multiple times a year and just clap to myself every time. That is how every Oscar speech for every A-lister should go. The funniest part is he puts his head down and you think you're going to get this outpouring of Joe Pesci emotion. Right. And he just goes, it was my privilege. I half expected him to throw the award on the ground and just walk (laughs) off the stage. Like, whatever. I'm done. Done. Peter Griffin style. <laughs> and to just kind of put a bow on what we're talking about with the Irishman here, again, they kind of had it perfectly laid out to win this category yeah. had they not run into a guy the caliber of Pitt seeking his first award. Because if you wanted the more, you know, flamboyant, outspoken, boisterous performance that's got the emotional range, well, here, can I interest you in an Al Pacino, a vintage Al Pacino performance? If you go for the more reserved, laid-back, quiet, kingpin critical thinking type boss type performance well can i have you you know you can vote for joe pesci right here i think either one of them have a better chance to kind of echo your point if they weren't running up against this monster that has been brad pitt looking for his first oscar very true very true but uh, in terms of a merit-based argument for pesci i mean that banquet scene opposite pacino going wild you know where he's just you know ice cold is one of the best scenes of that film You, you have the kitchen scene with de niro which like don't call him you better not fucking call him. <laughs> Joe me. Pesci, by the way, still intimidating as hell. He is the last person that yeah. I want to have an early breakfast with yeah. uh, on the planet Earth. Well, Brock Lesnar, because he probably eats humans. But Pesci, close second. <laughs> All right, fine. Brock Lesnar, then Joe Pesci. But, uh, Brock I, Lesnar's like, hold this basil. <laughs> I really thought he did a tremendous job under a shit ton of makeup at yeah. the end of the film, too. That's one of the better portrayals of that kind of character ever. I kind of... It makes me sad that Scorsese seems to be the only one with his number that he'll say yes to right now, because I would love to see Pesci in more things. I, I mean, we have a, a big Pesci hole in Hollywood right now. He is a rare actor, yeah. and he's a rare talent, because I have loved his characters as much as I've loved any characters in cinematic history, like my cousin Vinny, right? I've also hated yeah. him. I've hated him in films like Casino more than I hate characters ever. so despicable. Then you kind of both love and hate him in Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and The Irishman, yeah. uh, for that matter. And then, that's not even mentioning the home alone movies where he might have been the greatest kid movie villain of all time i your lips to god's ears man like i said there's just this giant hole out there in hollywood that i wish we would get more joe pesci to fill but to, to mention some kind of stat here, yeah. some kind of semblance of actual Oscar knowledge, you know, he has 12 victories in the critic circle. So Brad Pitt has been sweeping the big precursors, but Joe Pesci was an early critics darling, you know, at that point of, of award season. And Brad Pitt even ran away with it, you know, kind of towards the precursor level where we were getting more of the big award shows happening later. You know, he, it was a tighter race as you went into the circles and, and Pitt started really doubling up and tripling up his lead where he is now the more i think about netflix the more i'm kind of surprised they chose to go head on with this year for the irishman because if ever you know you, you, we talk about legacy picks here all the time these category reviews and the irishman has all of them 
Yeah. Like they could have had a legacy pick for best actor if the Nero was there. They have legacy picks for supporting actor, obviously directors, legacy picks. That makes you you could say picture is a legacy pick. Mm-hmm. Steve Zalian with the screenplay is legacy. Yes, they're all white men. That's its own problem. We know, but I'm almost surprised Netflix decided to put this movie out in what we knew going into 2019 was going to be such a loaded year. You know, we knew we were getting another Little Women. We knew we were getting a, a Quentin Tarantino movie. We knew we were getting the Avengers Endgame. We knew we were getting all yeah. these other big blockbusters. To already. me, it's wrapped up with Disney Plus. It's counter programming to the the kid. Probably, the yeah. Kid-tastic. And again, they care more about money yeah. than they do Oscars. But this is this is rated R, right? This is the adult streaming yeah. pick now. I mean, if you're an adult, if no, no, that's a good point. You know, you're over twenty five. Or you're not as big of a nerd as me, and you're just mature. If you're if you if you're a functioning human being, can you put more dirt on yourself in the middle of this explanation? Please? Unlike myself, then you won't be watching as much Disney Plus, and you'll be watching more Netflix. I'm sure you're right, and I'm sure it is a monetary based thing, as all things in this industry are. No matter how much we like to think of them, otherwise, still. If you were to tell Netflix in January, if you put this movie out this year, you run the risk of going 0 for 10 at the Oscars. I don't think there's any way they would have done it. I wonder how much they care. I really wonder. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, yeah, they could have pushed the other movies a little bit more this year and then have the Irishman in their back pocket for a future year. But I think at the end of the day, they care about nominations and they care about eyes on their product and the fact that you have this immediacy about their product because everybody was watching The Irishman when The yeah, Irishman came true. out this year. And everybody, it was the movie of the week for several of those weeks. I mean, we talked about it with Andrew on the mm-hmm. Nomcast. I mean, they really were on a run there where you had to watch Marriage Story that week. The memes were all out there. You had to see The Irishman. You had to see Dolomite. I mean, those were must-watch movies. It's a good point. Uh, you know, they gave D. Reese the uh, delay treatment. I wonder she if they would have to go back to Sundance. I think could be. Yeah, I wonder if they would have switched that, knowing what they know now. But she's done really well. There. Interesting conversation. Yeah. All right, Mike. Why will Joe Pesci not win? We kind of already went into this too, but yeah, well, we already covered this. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the Irishman have their two. They, you said the cannibalization argument. I yep. think even if it was one going against Brad Pitt, it's almost like the perfect storm to keep the Irishman out of winning this award is having, again, an actor, the caliber, the legacy, the prestige, the A-list. The girlfriends. The girlfriends of Brad Pitt. The rumored re-romance that he might, if he ever, oh my, my heart's already, I could feel my heart beating faster. <laughs> Getting if nervous. If he ever held Jennifer Aniston's hand on the Oscars <laughs> red carpet. I'm not, I don't even care about the show. I don't even do celebrity relationships, by the way, Michael. I don't care about them. Right. I don't pay attention to them. But that is mom and dad, damn it. <laughs> And they belong in the house together with me, their child. I don't know. I think what's Pitt's happening. on like twenty years older than me. Anyway, I don't know what's happening. Brad Pitt is the reason why everybody's going to lose. Brad Pitt is probably the reason. Uh, I, again, I think the cannibalization is a major yeah. reason in this particular case. But we're on to the main event now. Why will Brad Pitt actually win this thing? Let's go, Mike. It's almost offensive, isn't it, to know that he's 55 at this point, making the, capable of making these speeches, which, by the way, he has made all throughout his career. If you watch any interview with Brad Pitt, he's been the dude's dude forever. True. And just personable and charismatic. It's a little weird that at this point in 2020, we're making arguments that Brad Pitt's going to win because he hasn't won yet, isn't it? Technically, he did win as a producer for Twelve Years a Slave. Now, for as a you know, again, it's as a producer, and I know that many Oscar pundits will, will get mad at me. I for saying, hate that. Yeah, I know. Like Bradley Cooper's nominated eight times. No, he's not. Stop <laughs> it. 
Yeah, he's, his main job's <laughs> As Bradley actor. Cooper yells hearing this, <laughs> who the fuck is Mike and Mike? <laughs> Randy Newman is like, right. you know, that nomination's in. You, that is important. I wish you'd throw yourself away. <laughs> All right. I actually have a stat here. Yeah, I like this one. Actors have swept 1992, Gene Hackman, 07, 08, Bardem and Ledger, 09, Waltz, 11, Plummer, 14, Simmons, Rockwell in 17, Ali in 18. That's eight times in the last 30 years. When actors have won the Globe Choice in SAG and then lost BAFTA, but still won Oscar, mm -hmm. that's happened seven times with Leto, Bill, Robbins, Landau, Tommy Lee Jones, Jack Palance, and Denzel Washington. So that's seven out of the last 30 years. So that's 15 now out of 30. Actors who won the Globe Choice and SAG, then lost BAFTA and also lost Oscar, well, there's only one of those. That's crazy. That's Eddie Murphy in 2006. Who himself was a giant favorite going into Oscar Sunday, I remember. From Dreamgirls, for the reason, 7 out of 13 that I just yeah. mentioned, or whatever it was before him. He lost to Alan Arcta, Alan Arcta or Alan Arkin. He's a big fan of Antarctica. From Little Miss Sunshine. Murphy lost to Arkin at the BAFTAs, and then the Oscars. So only once in 16 times over the last 30 years has somebody won the first three big precursors like Pitt just did in Globe, Joyce, and SAG had he gone on to lose the Oscar. That's 6.25%. And that chance is at zero if he wins the BAFTA, basically. If he wins the BAFTA, it's never happened right. in the last 30 years. I can't go back further because the Wikipedia go convenient. side Yeah, oh. there's a very convenient <laughs> thing on Wikipedia where you can look easily. Yeah. I, I, if, I, if I have to scroll and really cross-check, it's impossible. Well, the Critics' Choice have only been around, I think, for 25, 26 years, so you good. save yourself there. Good. <laughs> that makes me lazy, but good. Uh, do you have anything as to why Brad Pitt will lose? Because I have nothing. Well, there is that one chance, Mike. Uh, if somebody wins at BAFTA, then it's possible because that brings him into the Alan Arkin territory that beat Eddie Murphy, and there's precedent for that wacky stuff happening. But somebody's got to beat him yeah. there at BAFTA. I, I don't see it happening. It'd be a big surprise. Let me pitch a scenario for you. Okay. Oscar Sunday. Uh, Brad Pitt yeah. doesn't show up on the red carpet. Nobody can see him. Jennifer Anderson, heartbroken. We know. <laughs> He gets called. He wins the Academy Award, supporting mm -hmm. actor. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the camera starts shaking as you see in some twisted MCU homage, oh a fat Brad Pitt rumbling up to the stage, <laughs> a la Fat Thor in Avengers Endgame. And he's just like, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 55 years. I've been... In the perfect physical specimen. Thank you for this. I announced my retirement from acting. And just, like his button pops off his Full shirt. Full brand Yeah. Like, <laughs> would that not be the greatest moment in Oscars history? <laughs> for who, Mike? For, who, screw everybody else. For me. Me. M-E. <laughs> you can't spell Mike one without me. And it's like, dodge the bullet there. <laughs> She's wow. high-fiving people around her. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Brad Pitt's probably going to win this category, but was he the best performance? Let's go into Perfecting Perfection, as we mics do here. If you've not joined us for Perfecting Perfection in the category review, what they are is we take the category nominees, and we will give them our preferential ranking. Now, these are not necessarily what we think will happen on Academy Sunday. That's going to still be coming in our predictions episode. These are not even necessarily what we think should happen on Academy Sunday. That's going to be coming to you in the Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show. This is just taking these five nominees 
nominees and ranking them as we see fit from five to one. Mike, is Anthony Hopkins your number five? He is my number five, yes. Even over uh, Tom Hanks, even the disdain you had for that Tom Hanks performance, huh? I don't have disdain. Well, well how are, that's, disdain's a bad word. You're right. Disdain I have for Tom Hanks as a person? Yeah. I mean, no. Wow. No, come on. Of we course. found him. <laughs> of course. I love Tom Hanks. I think he should have been out of this category. Yeah, I think I do Kang too. Ho Song, I think Sterling K. Brown, I, I think too. there's a bunch of people who should have been nominated over just the movie stars here, and that goes for Anthony Hopkins as well. As much as I love Anthony Hopkins, if he can take that dialogue from Mission Impossible 2 and make it <laughs> intriguing to me, then he could do anything and and win people over. And that, that's what happened here. Anthony Hopkins, based on pure star power. Tom Hanks, based on a little more than pure star power. Obviously, the allure to Mr. Rogers. That movie's far superior to Two Popes, I would say. But I don't think as an Oscar-level performance, it's... It's something that should be people should be over the moon for. No, like, I, agree. I don't see I agree. that. Like you really got to look into it. It's really an actor's actor performance in many ways. I agree with everything you just said there. Um, and I wasn't that crazy about the movie of uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood either. I, it's I solid, right? With, right. It's a fine watch. Yeah. Right. And, we, and we I don't think it. the Two Popes is. That's the Two the Popes is problematic. It's very boring for much of the movie. I'll and say the rewatch is really boring. I, I hate it on rewatch. Um, but I will say the. Lone thing that kept me interested in the two popes yeah. is the delivery and the performance that both leads do. And the end is charming. Yeah. The end is really, really charming, and we gloss over all the real-life shit, and we're just happy that the two old men are friends, <laughs> which is probably a lie. I read, I read the Catholic Journal and stuff last night because I was watching it. Oh, God. It's like, it's probably BS. Yeah. I the, think the Catholic Church had a problem with it when it came out. I don't really remember. I thought I remember reading that. Uh, don't quote me on that. That could be a total fabrication. I read some Catholics who said it's probably not true. Okay. Well, there you go. Take that to the bank. Speaking of two old men that became friends, what's your number three? <laughs> we have the same top five. It's actually Joe Pesci. Yeah. And it was a tough choice, and last night I just really loved Al Pacino more. I had Pesci in the two spot last night, and I switched him. Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I can't blame you for either one. Like I said, I know I've been in the minority a lot this uh, award season, but I was in the minority with this one, too. P- uh, Pacino, sure. to me, has always been the guy from that one. I wanted Pacino and Snipes to represent in this category. I'm glad at least one of them did. But that being said, I understand the Pesci. I'm not going to go against the Pesci argument at all. And I'm very, very happy to see him nominated. I just prefer the Pacino performance. I think you're splitting hairs at that point. The goofy VFX on Pesci just really snaps me out of his performance a little bit. I maybe, can see maybe that. that's yeah. the reason. It just looks so stupid. It's just stupid. I'm still angry at that. And I think somebody should have told Martin Scorsese that it looked that dumb. Do you think somebody somebody must have, right? I mean, or do you think everyone is just that much in awe and intimidated by Scorsese's the, stature? I wish the guy who actually did his thing with the, you know, public software right, my God. did it for him then. And be mm. like, hey, this is what De Niro right. and Pacino looked like back then. We all grew up watching De Niro yeah. and Pacino in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s. We knew what they looked like. They didn't look like Alf, <laughs> shinier. And if you are going to have that kind of VFX, you should shred up Joe Pesci, just for the comedic <laughs> sake, if nothing else. That being said, it's shredded up Brad Pitt, who's our number one. He's both our number yeah. ones, uh, in this five anyway. I don't know if he'll be my number one at the Mike, Mike, and Oscars. That's a tease. I may have Pacino over him by the time the Mike, Mike, and Oscars come. I really do like that Pacino really? performance. But for now, you know, it, it is there is some kind of... I, I won't lie and say that going for Brad Pitt's first one didn't, doesn't have any 
weight on my ranking of these either because it does. I do want to see him out of any of one in this field win the Oscar come Oscar Sunday. Watching that performance though, I mean, we love the comedic performances out there, and this one was funny. I mean, Brad Pitt is funny in this movie. There's also like this weird little thing where. It's not a little thing, but if he did what he yes. might have done in the movie, yes. it's a totally different movie. Yeah. And he's kind of playing it coy. Yeah. Like, this is one of those things that you kind of hate Tarantino for. Like, there are things about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, if it just wasn't in there, he'd probably win Best Picture. If the Bruce Lee bullshit wasn't in there, he'd probably win Best Picture. If that stuff wasn't in there, he'd probably win Best Picture. However, it it's so ballsy that you kind of like it. Almost like something a best director of the year would do. Yeah. But if he, if it was a little smoother, like if he, he kowtowed even more and didn't have to do the incendiary bombshell in there, but he has to do that. And I respect him for it. I'm just saying it didn't work on me like it didn't work on a lot of people, but it adds to the overall viewing experience. It really adds a layer to rewatch the darn thing. We have another special guest coming for our best picture category review. Yeah. And it's going to be another situation where I'm battling Mike and this special guest for their feelings about Once Upon a Time I may Hollywood. truly gang up on you. I may hit you with the microphone. <laughs> like I may, It may just be audio of me savagely beating you. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a, there's, it's going to happen eventually, folks. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. All right. Our thanks to Brian Formo of Fandango. Be sure, again, to go check him out. He is Brian Formo, F-O-R-M-O, on Letterboxd.com. Be sure to check out his personal website, BrianFormo.com, and also at Brian Formo, B-R-I-A-N Formo, on Twitter.com there. We thank him once again for joining us for this episode. As far as you guys are concerned, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, not only about the supporting actor race and who you think could upset Brad Pitt or at least finish number two. We want to hear from you about everything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those thoughts, comments, questions at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit? Is that where I go next? I, 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 I don't remember. Yeah, I think Reddit's the last one. Uh, we're barely on Reddit, but yes. Yeah, we are. When it comes more to rewards time, we're on there, so we'll be on there soon. But uh, otherwise, you can find our podcast and this podcast wherever you do hear podcasts. If you wouldn't mind going on Apple Podcasts, can I say podcast again, and leaving us a five-star Dundit, review, a that would really help us out a lot. Michael, what are your words of wisdom, and what is coming next from MMO? Use Fandango yeah. and read Brian Formo on Fandango.com. I mean, guys, seriously, I use Fandango way too much. I mean, you earn these VIP points, like, for Fandango now, and you get, like, these free rentals all the time. I can't tell you how many movies I watched this year. It's probably, like, 15 movies. They have a very, very good business plan. Oh, it's great. It's a great <laughs> business plan. I'm going there every day. I'm looking at what's playing in, in theaters around us. I, that's the site I use for that. And then the YouTube channel is terrific. The all-access channel, both on YouTube and their website, is awesome. And Brian's doing some great work with the scene breakdown series uh, on Fandango All Access. So d definitely seek that out. Uh, I, it's the honest truth. I mean, we, we use it all the yeah. time, and uh, it's my go-to for showtimes, pre-orders, for tickets. I mean, day of, I'm using Fandango even still. So that those are the words of wisdom. What's coming up next? We got a couple more category reviews left. We uh, 
think it's just the the two big ones with best actor, lead actor, and best picture. Right? Yeah, that's it. That'll oh be God. it for the category review. Then we're in Oscars week. We got a big Oscars week planned. Some real quality stuff. A couple more guests. So we're really happy that we're getting the you know the the, the quality of guests coming through on this particular series and the fact that we got you know another couple weeks. Yeah, where we're talking to the you know these these true pros and and Formo's a true pro. Uh, his Oscar rankings on BrianFormo.com are, are right on as well. So make sure you go there, too. Yeah. Again, I don't know why these people are talking to us, but we couldn't be more happy, humbled, and grateful for it. So our thanks once again to Brian Former. Our thanks to all of the guests that have helped us out thus far with this series. And you'll be hearing us thank more people because, like Mike said, we got a lot more in store for you guys coming up. So be sure to stick with us, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch these movies and award shows with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very, very soon. See ya.